Hello there, welcome to the second episode of the Scoreboard Podcast with Marshall and Ola. Thank you for the response for the first episode. Never expected the response and would definitely just keep it up every week like this. Last week we talked a lot about Lionel Messi and uh, about the Olympics too. And a massive shout out to all those who listened, our listeners on Anchor and on Spotify. We are working on getting on Google Podcast and other platforms where you get your podcast as soon as possible. The Google Podcast is live but we're still having issues with this and as soon as we get that we're definitely going to hit you up now straight to the business of the day we're going to be talking about what is fast becoming a norm right now it is free transfers in the world of football sometimes in 2017 one Profit predicted that in the next 10 years players will be running down their contracts. He said, and I quote, You see more and more players going into the final year of their contract because no club will want to pay the amount demanded. In the next 10 years, it will become usual. Those were the words of Asen Wenger sometimes in July 2017. Fast forward to the summer of 2021, we are seeing this thing happen right in front of our eyes. It's not even 10 years yet, but we are just seeing it. Sometimes in the summer of next year, you'll be seeing free agents such as the likes of Paul Pogba. You'll be seeing free agents such as Cristiano Ronaldo. Even Kylian Mbappe might be a free agent next year. This will form crux of our discussion on this episode of the Scoreboard Podcast once again. Welcome on board. My name is Olaoluwa. Marshall is also here for this episode. Welcome, Marshall. Yeah, thank you very much, Lalo. And of course, uh, what a great introduction that was. Thank you very much to all our listeners from the last pod. And I hope that this one is even better than the last one. And like you rightly said, the free agent market is definitely one to look out for. Let's just dive into it straight away about uh, what we might just be seeing as far as free agency is uh, concerned. Because it's, it's looking like a, a norm now. This transfer window alone, let's focus on PSG alone. They've got Gini Wijnaldum, Sergio Ramos, and almighty Lionel Messi, not leaving out Donnarumma, who they've also got on a free. And looking forward into next season already, you'd have the likes of Paulo Dybala, Lacazette, and maybe Kylian Mbappe free, just like I said while introducing the show. Not just that, maybe having the likes of Frank Kessie, the likes of uh, Sergio Roberto, Popuba, Luka Modric, Angel de Maria being free. Now, looking at all of this, and you see all of these players, they, they are not just ordinary players, let me put it that way. Because what we used to know about free agencies, maybe substandard players, players that are that have passed their prime and they are just looking for somewhere to retire. And oftentimes it is always maybe Qatar or the MLS, but this time we see players in their late 20s or early 30s who are still in their prime going to other teams in Europe and they are slotting in straight into the first thing. What do you have to say about this? Yeah, honestly, trust me, it was not something that we expected and it's not something that we think would come this fast. Like you already said, Asen Wenger predicted that it would happen in 10 years and it's just four years down the line and it's already happening. What could have accelerated this definitely has to be COVID. And, you know, with a loss of revenue for several clubs in Europe, we saw the amount of things that had to be done to even get teams to hit their 
uh, benchmark classes and all for some just to stop them from getting way below uh, the black line and we saw for Barcelona the kind of players they had to lose you know losing you know, Messi definitely was a big blow for them you know trying to shop around Antoine Griezmann you know, losing Luis Suarez last season losing Arturo Vidal last season so it's not something that I'd say was expected but it's something that has happened now and the cash crunch has now merged with a, a financial difficulty for almost all of the elite teams usually it used to be that the small teams would be unable to sign players for huge transfer fees or they'd be unable to keep their players but now even the big teams are unable to keep their players and are also unable to sign players for huge transfer fees and that's why we're seeing a lot of players move on free transfers yeah you'd say it's been, it might have been happening for a while i mean robert Lewandowski moved to bayern munich on a free uh Juventus have made this their stock in trade now for years you know yeah. signing players on free transfers year in year out and you might say yeah it's been happening i mean we get the odd free transfer every year but this is something that more and more we're getting into it being a norm this summer alone david alaba moved from bayern munich to real madrid on the free they know messi moved from barcelona to paris saint germain on a free sergio ramos moved from real madrid to paris saint germain on a free Giorgino Vijnaldum moved from Liverpool to Paris Saint-Germain on a free. Jalenji Donnarumma moved from AC Milan to Paris Saint-Germain on a free. Memphis Depay moved from Olympic Lyon to Barcelona on a free. There are several other players who would not get as much traction as these aforementioned did, but they also moved on a free. And that shows you that the market is starting to open up for these players. And because of the kind of extreme valuations that their clubs are putting on these players it becomes difficult for the buying clubs to even pay that amount of money look at kylan mbappe for instance we're hearing figures of around 150 million 180 million some even saying 200 million for a player who has just one year left on his contract Eden Hazard moved from chelsea to real madrid in the summer of 2019 with 100 million pounds paid in transfer he has just one year left on his contract. Just one year left. So technically, if Real if Madrid had waited for three more months or four more months, they might have gotten Eden Hazard for free. So you kind of add and subtract and you think, which one is worth it? You know, holding out for four more months and getting these players on a free or splurging now. And most clubs think, you know what? It's best if we splurge later on signing on fees on player wages rather than having to pay these players huge wages and still pay their clubs huge wages. I mean, look at the hundred million pounds Real Madrid paid for Eden uh, Hazard. If he was a Real Madrid player, got it for free, they could have split the hundred million over five years, pay him 20 million pounds annually, or over four years, pay him 25 million pounds, however he wants it or however they deem fit. And the money they've been paying him in wages since 2019 till now, they could have saved it for some other thing. So it shows that down the line, more clubs are thinking, hold on, instead of paying extreme amounts of money for transfer fees why not just wait for these players to run out their contract and test the open market you know when you test the open market you see what you're worth you see whether you're being valued you see whether the clubs around are actually thinking of you as highly as you think of yourself and then you think hold on maybe it's actually true maybe these clubs actually value me a lot more than my current club values me and then they'll be more incentivized to hope to, to hit the free market and open it up and that's what we are likely going to see next summer. Rafael Varane joined Manchester United and the reason why Real Madrid sold him 
this season was because he had just one year left on his contract. Paul Pogba started the season with Man United now and there are rumours that he might be moving on a free next summer. Eduardo Camavinga, who has been courted by the high and mighty across Europe, is going to be a free agent next summer. Kalan Mbappe, if he does move this summer, becomes a free agent next summer and on and on and on. And it begs the question, why and why now? What happens when a player goes for free? It means that one, the player is desperate to play elsewhere and no matter what you offer him, he's not going to sign with you or you're offering him money that he thinks is below his market value. And that's what happened with players like David Alaba, Sergio Ramos, Giorgino Wijnaldum, uh, Donnarumma. They feel like their current clubs before they joined uh, Paris Saint-Germain now or Real Madrid in the case of David Alaba were offering them way below what they should be earning on the market and they decided to test the market and they've been rewarded handsomely so you start to see this more and more next summer like you said we might see Dybala do it we might see Ronaldo do it we might see Pogba do it and it becomes a thing that slowly but surely the elite clubs can no longer sell to themselves because I mean, you want to offer me a hundred million pounds? I can reject that because I have a player in my own squad who is worth more than that to me. And I can tell you categorically, no, I am not selling this player. And then the player has no choice but to run down his contract and say no to any contract extensions you offer. And that's what we're currently seeing with Paris Saint-Germain and Mbappe. PSG are offering Mbappe a truckload of money. But because he does not want to sign, they're given the chance to sell him now or lose him for free and they're like you know what we'd rather lose him for free because he is so valuable to us in the team than in transfer money in our bank we have more than enough money we don't need the money for anything but the kind of quality Mbappe would offer you it's going to be very very difficult to replicate if you sell him for no matter the amount of money you want to sell because they feel like they have money and they don't need your own money to go out and make purchases or do anything they want to do now, don't you think it's a 50-50 thing for the players? Because personally, I feel running down your contracts with the hope that someone would come for you, it's a 50-50 thing that only the elite players can do right now. And don't you think at the end of the day, the available players that the club will be able to just say, okay, we can sell this. Don't you think they'll be so expensive that clubs won't be ready to just pay that much for the average players when the elite players have decided to go the the, the popularity test route? Well, I think for those who think that uh, going the bossman rule or going the bossman way, if you like, is the way to go, you start to see that it becomes something more popular and by and large it means that we'll have more players for clubs and that would mean that a lot of clubs would now start to think hold on if i'm going to sign a player like sergio ramos for free i should be having like 20 million pounds to give him for signing on bonus and then i must have a certain amount of money to offer him a salary and then i must have at least a level of competition in my score that makes him think if i'm signing for this club i'm not stepping down but i'm either stepping up or staying across so i'm not having to bother about oh would i be playing the europa league or would i be getting eliminated in knockout stages of the champions league you understand so that would mean that 
down the line more clubs would be seeing a lot more players as their own target market and that would mean that a player like Georgino Wayanado, for instance, he went to Paris Saint-Germain this summer, but down the line, he might not be going to Paris Saint-Germain. You know, he might be going to a player or a club on a different level, you know, probably a club like Borussia Dortmund, for instance, like we saw with uh, Thomas Meunier, who went from Paris Saint-Germain to uh, Borussia Dortmund. So this kind of club will become attractive to those kind of players because they know that that club I'm going to, it's kind of too big for me and I might not even get start an opportunity here and these clubs are also thinking a player like Ramos or a player like Verratti or a player like Lionel Messi will be out of our reach but if we give someone like Wijnaldum an attractive offer he might say yes to us and who says no who says that uh, Georgino Valnado would not consider our offer so it becomes a thing of how then do these clubs try to position themselves to become attractive to free agents and it not only makes the game interesting it makes clubs want to better themselves because trust me if Paris Saint-Germain were never as interesting as they currently are Lionel Messi would never go there Lionel Roma would never go there Sergio Ramos would never go there so you know that's the, the dynamic that has to come into play now that the elite teams would have to position themselves well and then the mid-table teams would also have to position themselves well because whether we like it or not there are going to be mid-table players that are going to be available on free transfers and there are a host of clubs that will really be ready to take them in and the hope is that down the line it becomes something that the players have the power and not the clubs because right now especially in football in Europe bulk of the power is with those clubs and that's why you see a player like Harry Kane although he wants to leave it's almost impossible because he still has three years left on his contract is extremely valuable to sports and sports think that they will be best served by having him in their squad rather than join a Manchester City no matter how much City are offering meanwhile for a club like Aston Villa they feel like with 100 million pounds from City for the sale of Jack Relish, they can reinvest their squad or reinvest uh, the money into their squad to develop in some key positions where they think they might be lacking and you know that kind of a a power push becomes very, very difficult for the player that's because the club would alienate to against the fans and we've seen this happen with a player like hurricane where we've been hearing rumors of fan unrest against him and we've seen it with several players who have left their present clubs for a new club and then we see where the fans react to them subsequently so these these are the things that really need to change in football you know where the player that want to have the power and other clubs because if the players have the power, then it kind of levels the playing field. They've invested so much. They've invested so much in the player. For example, now a player that grew up in the academy and everything, you've been putting a lot into the player to be, or like uh, we usually say around here, you give the player the platform to perform. And at the end of the day, the player still has the right to turn his back at you to say, okay, I want to go. And you have to still release him. That's too much power for someone. Well, that's the point because the clubs, the clubs now have to ensure that they are putting themselves in the best position to succeed. Because a very similar thing happened with Jadon Sancho. That was why he left uh, Manchester City for Borussia Dortmund. Manchester City were offering him a lot of money, but because he felt this pathway is not there for me. There are a lot more players, a lot more established players in my position, and fighting 
he felt that the time was just not for him and then he decided to go he didn't go on alone but then he decided he asked to be sold and he was sold to, to borussia dortmund he has shown himself to be of immense quality and that's why he's back in manchester but not in the blue half or in the red half of manchester and that is why when when clubs know that if a player can go whenever he wants to he's going to push them to work harder he's going to push them to develop the club and I don't want to sound like I'm being overly enthusiastic or pushing the whole American sports agenda, but then this is something we've seen happen time and again in American sports. And even in football, if a player hands in a transfer request, the club is obliged to listen. So it's not like it's it's never happened in sports, but then there are some clubs that wield so much power. I remember the case with Paris Saint-Germain and Adrian Rabio where he wanted to leave. And then they refused and then he said he was going to run down his contract and guess what they did they sent him to trade with the reserves i mean that kind of thing is humiliating i mean that, that has happened a lot of times happened with obama and might even happen with hurricane i think daniel levy is famed for doing that daniel levy is always holding it down this is how much i want for this player and this is how much he gets look at look at modric look at garage bill we don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of days. Dimitar Babatov, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of days. Maybe Arikin might just be in the same shoes too. You understand? So that's why I, I think at some point, this free transfer of a thing will give players a lot more power. And another thing in my course is that we might start to see players sign a lot more short-term deals. And that's where I think Hurricane really, really got. He signed a six-year deal. I mean, nobody in football signs a six-year deal right well it was looking really bright then got to the final of the champions league they've been pushing son is firing on all cylinders hurricane and son they are gelling well Mauricio pochettino looks like someone who wouldn't leave tottenham they have a brand new stadium everything was looking bright it was more like okay it's a head ahead from here no one knew everything would just crumble all of a sudden like that but then the truth is it had been crumbling i felt like Hurricane was being lured to the whole Steven Gerrard kind of model and he wanted to really be that hometown hero for the North Londoners over there in Whitehead Lane. But you could really see that unless there was massive investment in this club, there was no way we were going to be able to compete with Manchester City. There was no way we were going to be able to compete with Liverpool. And now Chelsea and United I imagine as even stronger forces than they were. Which means you have four clubs already enmeshed in that top four and if you want to keep a player like Harikin with the kind of quality he has you should be able to offer him at least at the very very minimum regular Champions League football last season Harikin was not in the Champions League this is it he is not in the Champions League there was a reason Paul Pogba wanted out of Manchester a few years back because he felt like he was playing too frequently in the Europa League and for a player of his quality for a player of his caliber that could never be happening if it happens once Maybe it's an anomaly, maybe it's your first year in the club, maybe it's something that happened because you were out injured for a long time, but then it's happening twice, it's happening three times, and then players have to look around and like, hold on, what exactly is going on here? When you see players who are not as good as you are in other clubs, doing well, doing fantastic, winning trophies. I mean, look at uh, uh, Spurs under Mauricio Pochettino. Harry Kane was in that club when Kyle Walker was there when Christian Eriksen was there, when Kieran Trippier was there and all three of them have gone on to bigger things, have gone on to better things, they've all won the league title 
Mauricio Pochettino has left Spurs. He has gone to Paris Saint-Germain. He has won a trophy there. He's now managing Sergio Ramos, Donnarumma, Lionel Messi, Kylian Mbappe, Neymar Jr. I mean, for Harry Kane, it's very simple. Leave and watch your career elevate. But Spurs don't want to see themselves as a selling club. They don't want to see themselves as the small boys. And that is too much power in one hand. It should be spread out. It's more like 90-10 in favor of the club, not in favor of the player, which should not be. And that's what I'm calling for. A little, a little more player empowerment, we will not see issues like this happen. Now, quickly, you mentioned COVID as the reason for this, and you said it might just continue this way for a very long time. How about we look at selfishness on the part of the players? They're going to be getting the sign-on fee, and maybe, maybe dictate how much you take home at the end of the week. Don't you think that that's another incentive for the players to say, okay, let me run down my contract. I'm good enough. The big guys will come for me and I dictate what I get. Yeah, like I said, they all work hand in hand. If Usually, the way it used to work, if a player wanted more money, he would go to the board or he would go to the owners and tell them, look, I need more money. This is what my peers across the league or across Europe are earning, ideally, I should be earning more for what I'm doing. And if the club feels like, yeah, you're right, you should be earning more, they give him a new contract, they bump up his wages, and then everything is fine, everything is good. And now, because of COVID and because of the cash crunch it has caused, it has meant that players who want to sign new contracts cannot be given by their clubs because the club in question does not have money. And if you kind of notice the pattern here, the clubs that these players want to go to are also losing players elsewhere. Now for Real Madrid, Real Madrid lost Sergio Ramos to Paris Saint-Germain on free because he wanted more money that they were not willing to offer. Paris Saint-Germain, of course, they have a lot of money. Real Madrid lost Rafael Varane to Man, to, to Man United. Rafael Varane left not on a free. I mean, he had just one year left. If he wasn't sold, he would have also ran down his contract and went for it free anyway. But then he got more money at Man United. And that opened up space for Real Madrid to sign David Alaba from Bayern Munich because he wanted more money at Bayern Munich. And they felt, no, we cannot offer you that. And then he moved. And Bayern Munich signed the Yotupamecano from RB Leipzig, who also sold Ibrahim Konate to Liverpool. So it's not, it's not selfishness when you see that this is what I'm worth. If I'm not being paid my worth, I need to leave. And that is what we're seeing happening time and again. It has happened in years gone by. It will continue to happen. The only difference is just that two, one, it might accelerate. And secondly, we might start to see it happen a lot more with the big boys. Because usually the top clubs do not, and I repeat, do not let go of their elite talents. I mean, these are the players that separate you from a Champions League semi-final slot. Now look at Barcelona for instance. They lost Neymar, they lost Luis Suarez, they lost Lionel Messi. In 2015, they had all three and they won the Champions League. In 2016, they got to the quarterfinals. In 2017, they got to the semi-finals. In 2018, they got to the quarterfinals. In 2019, they got to the semi-finals. And you know, it's been quarterfinals, semi-finals, 
But then Suarez left. It was just Messi at the club. And guess what? They didn't even get to the quarterfinals. So it's because these players that have been separating Barcelona from other elite clubs have been leaving gradually, gradually, gradually. And these clubs don't have the money to either buy the new players or pay their current players their worth. And it becomes very, very difficult to compete. I mean, look at Real Madrid, for instance. Real Madrid won the Champions League three years in a row. And then they lost Ronaldo. And the very next season, they were eliminated in the round of 16. And then the very next season, they were eliminated again in the round of 16. So that player that was like the hub race between Real Madrid and the Champions League was caught. And just like an umbilical cord, I mean, they failed to deliver in the Champions League. So it's something that we've seen happen time and again. And unless some way miraculously or some other way, unless clubs are able to generate money, back with uh, with fans back in the stadium and then able to generate uh, sponsorship jesse sales and all of that and then tv revenue goes up we might continue to see this happen but then if they're able to stabilize the cash flow then they can afford to give players more wages and then keep the, the actual star players from just walking whenever and wherever they wish all right so overpricing players is one issue I think we'll still discuss on subsequent episodes of this podcast. But I think we can just squeeze in it right now. Don't you think it, it is sort of responsible for this in a world where a certain Dembele went for over 100 million pounds and a couple of other transfers and it's not even matched that transfer fee. It's not delivered that much for Barcelona since he joined, although you might want to blame injuries and the rest. Same too can be said for Eden Hazard. Overpricing players, if you just put it in the mix here, don't you think it is what is responsible? Because at the end of the day, we are getting players, just random players for 50 million, 60 million, when few years back 50 million watts was enough to break the british transfer record but right now 50 million is what you can just put on a random player from somewhere in brighton and it shouldn't even feel like you've added something into your squad don't you think this is another uh, reason or this is another angle where we should be looking at this conversation from yeah that was the angle as venga was looking at it from when he said the transfer fees will continue to rise and it's very interesting that he made that comment in the summer of 2017. Now before 2017 this was how the world record has been going that's the world record for a transfer fee. In 2001 it was in Zidane for 50 million pounds and that record stood for eight years until Real Madrid signed Kaka in 2009 for 56 million pounds which was a world record but very briefly Later that same summer, Real Madrid signed Cristiano Ronaldo for £80 million. And that record was held for five years until Gareth Bale broke that record. Now, Gareth Bale broke the record and was the most expensive player ever for £86 million. And after £86 million, Gareth Bale 2013, the record was held for another three years before Paul Pogba broke the world record for a transfer at 89 million pounds and slowly 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 it had been creeping and creeping but then nobody had gotten close to 100 nobody was anywhere near 90 so it still felt understandable and then all of a sudden 2017 summer Paris and Germany decided you know what let's break the world order 
let's scatter everything let's let's destroy everything that's 198 million pounds on neymar and did not stop at that and made the second highest transfer he ever paid which was 180 million euros for Kylian Mbappe. Now, with hindsight, you might say, yeah, well, I mean, Mbappe is worth an amount of money. But no, Mbappe had just played six months of professional football. Like, it's like giving a player who has just come out of the academy that kind of money, pay that kind of money for him. So, it's scattered the whole idea of how much a player can be valued. And then it shifted the conversation from you're paying for his quality and for what he can offer to you just paying for his potential so it now became a conversation of let's pay for the potential let's pay for the potential and because everyone in Barca had a lot of money they bought uh dembele for 140 million euros i mean it's still laughable to date then that was not enough the following winter they went out splurged 150 million pounds on philippe continue by the way neither deal has worked so far so ever since then it became a continuous rise in the kind of valuation for players and that's why like i said it's very important to know that as Wenger made that statement in the summer of 2017 and that 2017 summer 50 million pounds became the new 20 million pounds 80 million pounds became the new 50 million pounds and 130 million pounds became the new 100 million pounds and since then we've seen several players smash the 100 million pounds record uh Azar has done it joao felix went for 126 million euros a player who had just one season of professional football it has even started to get to a level where clubs feel if they have not even made a signing in excess of 100 million pounds they are not doing real business they are they have not made yeah, a statement of intent you understand so that's that's the way it is so you you continue to see that if you want to get a player of high quality you have to pay a lot of money and that's why daniel levios he wants to get 150 million pounds for harry k and you'd say well it's covid well nobody has money no manchester city paid 100 million pounds for Jack Grealish. Harry Kane was the top scorer last season. He was the player with the most assists. He helped England on their way to the Euros final. So you have to say definitely he's worth a lot more money than Jack Grealish. But you cannot say what is a lot more when Jack Grealish himself went for 100 million pounds. So, you know, more and more, we're seeing more players go for extravagant fees. I mean, Harry Maguire went for 80 million pounds. I mean, that used to be the going rate for the strikers. Virgil van Dijk went for seventy-five million pounds. Look at how much. Look at how. Look at how much Kepa Ritabalaga and uh, Alison Becker costs Chelsea and Liverpool respectively. Kepa cost Chelsea eighteen million euros. Eighteen million. That's a whole lot of money. Now let, let's take a look at the clubs that are famed for getting. Like I like to call them first grade token balls. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> players who have decided to run their, their contracts and want to move to other clubs. Clubs that are really famed for doing this. Juve comes to mind, Bayern Munich comes to mind, and uh, right now, 
this uh, PSG. They look like the master of it all. Before we talk about those clubs, briefly, Marshall, don't you think there's something about all of these clubs that's okay? Those players know in their mind that at all, at all, whatever happens, if I'm free in the market, these clubs will come for me. Because of the availability of those clubs, don't you think players will continue to run down their contracts on clubs that are famed for this? I'm not sure if it's the availability of the clubs or the quality of the players because we know a lot of who have hit the market and didn't get paid. We know a lot of free agents that have hit the market and got paid. So if a player is very, very sure of his quality, their agents start sounding off even before the 1st of January. You know, ideally, the 1st of January is when you can start talking to the free agent to gauge their interest see how things go because a player feels like the kind of quality i have i cannot be out in the market for long i mean a lot of clubs will be interested in getting my services and that's what we saw we saw with uh, Lionel messi i mean died on sunday rather at barcelona and by tuesday was being christened at, at Paris. That, that's that's that that, that might even sound too complex was crying on sunday i was <laughs> laughing like a baby that was offered biscuits from a found tuesday <laughs> so you know these are the things that happen when a player is very sure of his quality because they know that the kind of quality they have if their present clubs will not renew them someone else will and because from the first of january you can start negotiating with other clubs they know okay they can gauge their interest See how the market looks like. I mean, I was reading reports as far back as February, March, in the Spanish papers that Ramos was telling Florentino Perez, the Real Madrid president, that PSG wants to build a super team with himself and Messi. If he was not in contact with PSG, how would he know they wanted to build a team with himself and Messi? Now that's a problem. I feel there is a covert operation from these clubs. It's not covered operation. If you're a free agent from the 1st of January, other clubs can approach you. But as at this moment, Real Madrid was still negotiating. Real Madrid was still looking at the possibility of getting a deal done. Yes, but then the player himself can also look out. If you're a free agent or if you have six months left on your contract, you can start to negotiate with other clubs. You can also still negotiate with your current club and if there's anything that needs to be done, it is just so that by the time July 1st hits, the player is guaranteed of his future and he doesn't have to go into the summer thinking, okay, where am I going to be? Okay, what's my future going to look like? What if all the spaces in the market are taken? What do I do? You understand? So it's just a case of guaranteeing the player's future if the club wants to dilly dally. And it's not the first time we've seen this happen. Sergio Ramos very nearly left in 2015. He had just one year left on his contract as well. And the big question around was, would Sergio Ramos really go to Man United? And then intention, the rumors were so high, it was so rife. Everyone was thinking he would leave, he would leave, he would leave. But then he ended up signing a new contract. And then two years ago, he had just one year left. He signed a new contract for an additional year. And this summer, that contract elapsed. So the thing with Sergio Ramos is that Sergio Ramos has always been this man that has tried to use the media, tried to use his power and influence as a captain of the national team and captain of the club to 
that it just seems to work in his own way, but then it will not always work that way. And that was what uh, Florentino Perez saw, and it felt like if Ramos is not going to renew with us, we also have to keep our eyes open. And that was why they went for David Alaba, who has actually proven to be of a very good quality for uh, for Real Madrid. Because if Real Madrid were waiting for Ramos to confirm, they could have lost Alaba to several other clubs. City would have been interested, Chelsea would have been interested, Liverpool were interested, even Barcelona were interested. So that's why you cannot afford to delete Ali. If your players are proven stubborn or they don't want to renew their contract, you also look out for players who would replace them. So that's the way the market has worked. It's not like there's a cover ability. Fine, fine. There might be prior contacts between the agents and the clubs trying to gauge the interest in this player. You know, Marshall, it reminds, it reminds me, this reminds me of the deal that took Antoine Griezmann from Atletico Madrid to Barcelona. Although not a free transfer, but there was a certain time Atletico Madrid had to report Plaza for approaching the player when they were not even meant to approach him in the first place. And Barca had to pay fine then. So that's why I feel there's always or there's some covert operation i just tell the player don't sign don't sign don't sign don't sign don't sign sign." (laughs) yeah i mean it happens it it won't be the first time that's happened and one very famous example of that was when uh florentino perez was to become the real madrid president and he went to meet figo and told him when i become the real madrid president i will sign you and if i don't sign you I'll give you so and so amount of money. And then he told the and he told the player then that if I become president and you don't find for me, you give me 35 million euros. At the time, Figo felt that's impossible. Who is problem in the player? Nobody knew him in the football We never going to win. And then and with the backing from Figo, President Perez went in with the Spanish media and told the Real fans, if you vote for me. I will sign Figo. So it's like the chicken and the egg. He used the chicken, he got the egg. And when he won, there was, of course, no other clue or no other thing for a Barcelona to do. They had to let Figo go. So we understand that that could happen. But when it comes to free agents, it's a lot more difficult to police. It's a lot more difficult to prove any wrongdoing. And in the case of Antoine Griezmann, he was supposed to leave for Barca in the summer of 20. 18 right after the signed right after the signed hole. but then there were several issues with Atletico Madrid at the time and then they felt there was no way they were going to let Griezmann leave and that was why they had him for an extra year but then they put a release clause in his contract if you don't sign him this summer you have to pay 200 million euros and that elapses on the 1st of July or some dates it was a specific date before which no negotiations must be had no contacts must be made but then Barca sent him the day after that date and then they felt come on that's too easy that's too cheap i mean so you had all those protracted negotiations all within 24 hours it does not work that way and then they reported the case and they felt like Barca had initiated something secret behind their back even when the 200 million euro release clause was still intact. Barca later paid 120 million, which was the release clause from that particular date to the end of the window. 
but then Atletico reported them and we all know how that ended. But then yeah. if it's a free agent, there's really nothing that the parent club can do. Once it gets a particular point, even the parent club has to negotiate with other free agents or start to sound out other agents and say, interesting, this is your player, what's it going to be? Okay, but let's talk about how those clubs are fed with uh, little or no budget to sign maybe the biggest players they've uh, been doing it and for some it's been success all the way and for some they've had cost to just look back and say we just have to get back to market and start signing players with our money and i think that's what juve are doing right now it has worked for them in the past with the italian league famed for being the vintage league that i like to call them and uh, with the bundesliga famed for being a, a family business where all other clubs just work for the success of Bayern Munich. These guys have are they are famed for getting free players, quality players at that. Let's look at the, how they fed all of these free players. Well, the thing is, you mentioned two of the biggest clubs in Europe and clubs that are by far and away the biggest, if not, or one of the biggest, if not biggest in their leagues. Now for Juve, Juventus have had a massive pull over the years. And how did it start? Better with getting Antonio Conte. Antonio Conte got Andre Pelu from AC Milan. He started using Revolution. He signed Paul Pogba on a free. He signed Antonio Conte on a free. He signed Tevez for I think 12 million. He signed, he got Betna on loan. And then he, he was able to launch that team from there. And then they became the core of one of the most successful Juventus teams of all time. I mean, got to the Champions League final twice in three years, although that was under Allegri. But the core of that team was what pushed the team forward, and they have had that pool for a very long time. And prior to this season, they had won Serie A for nine years. I think it was in a row, or eight years it was in a row. And for Bayern, I mean, less said about Bayern, the better. Bayern, of course, one of the biggest clubs in Europe. They signed a lot of players on a free because of the kind of pool that they have. Now, how are they getting these players? It's the same way Paris and Germain were able to get a lot of these players over the summer. They prove to these players that, look, we can pay you more money. We can offer you a, a platform to do what you do. We can give you an even higher level. Now, you look at the players Bayern Munich have signed on a free. They don't come from Barcelona, Real Madrid, or Man United, or one of those flashy clubs. They come from other clubs in the Bundesliga. Now, if you're playing in the Bundesliga, you have a hope, you have a dream. It's one of two things. Either you play for Bayern Munich, or you play for the German national team. And at times, both of them come together. And that's why you see that. For Bayern Munich, they have to sign a lot of players from these smaller teams. I mean, it used to be that way for Man United on that Alex Ferguson, where we saw Rio Ferdinand move from Leeds to Man United. We saw uh, Roy Keane move from Nottingham Forest to Man United. When Rooney from Everton to Man United. Everton. We saw it with Cantona from Leeds to Man United. And I mean, you can continue to list players who have moved from their league. The best of English talents. To, exactly, to, to Manchester United. And couple with the kind of talent Manchester United had at the time. So you understand that it's a natural pool, it's a gravitational pool from the biggest of clubs to these other clubs. The only difference is that for most of these leagues, the club they are all gravitating to is just one. 
it is that one girl that more like has this de facto ownership over the league and before Juventus hired Andre Pelu, I mean it used to be their league for the taking but then last season it was a massive massive a failure for them they very nearly qualified for the Europa League I mean from winning the league eight times in a row but then that always happens and for uh, Bayern Munich they've made a big decision appointing Julian Nagelsmann so we we'll wait to see how that pans out for them but Bayern Munich have made themselves this emblem of work of, of this working club that every facet works you know it's this finely grinded or finely geared machine where everything is just in sync and then there is no grease there is no flaw everything is working perfectly for uh, the club so that's one thing that helps these clubs when it comes to attracting free agents and that's one thing that makes them even more attractive than the clubs most of these players are at i mean look at Schalke for they've lost two very talented goalkeepers to Bayern Munich in the last decade they lost Manuel Neuer in 2011 and last summer they lost uh, Alexander Nubel to, to Bayern Munich too very very good goalkeeper uh, Schalke but then look at Schalke Schalke and the Bundesliga too they relegated from the league and that's why they will continue to lose the players and look at other players that have left I mean if Kimmich was in relegated Leipzig when uh, the second division when he moved to, to Bayern Munich and he has proven to be of very very high quality for them you look at Lewandowski he was one of the most uh, the, the world is, is actually very very uh, it's not coming to my mind now, you know, Lewandowski moving from Dortmund to Bayern on a free, you know, it was two things, it was strengthening Bayern, weakening Dortmund, and the fact that it followed after the exit of Mario Guzza to Bayern, you know, it, it shows the kind of pull that these clubs have, I mean, and, uh, and Lewandowski is not even chairman, you understand? Dortmund were a very successful club by their own right. They had gone to yeah. the Champions League final. They had won two league titles. You know, it was all poised for a club that could really break through. But then they do not have the kind of money that Bayern has, and that's why the very next summer we still saw players move from Dortmund to Bayern. So even as it stands, if other clubs in Europe are not careful. There's still one major transfer to be made between Dortmund and Bayern. I mean, we all know what it is, but I will not say yet. <laughs> all right, I, I think we can go on and on about this, but let's just talk about one other thing. In the wake of Lionel Messi's move from Passa to PSG, something popped up and I found it very interesting. And it's always been like that. I really don't understand how something as trivial as Chelsea number really gets to not only player but the fans. It looks like fans don't want to see players or certain players wearing certain Chelsea numbers. It felt like certain Chelsea numbers are made for some players. And right now, we have a lot of Chessies that you can call iconic just by their numbers. Talk about the Chessie number seven, talk about the Chessie number 10, even number nine at some clubs or some players actually even prefer to wear the Chessie number nine. For example, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, maybe the Chessie number 11 too, and of course, the Chessie number one. These numbers 
as trivial as it may sound, it comes sometimes with a whole lot of expectation. For example, if a player is coming to a club, you feel, oh, why should you give this number, this chess number of a departing club legend to this player? How do you feel it can fill into his boots? And blah, 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 like, 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 like that. How did we get here when Chelsea number has become uh, something that was going to be trivia? Personally, that's how I feel. It's such a big deal. Well, uh, first of all, I have to say Jesse numbers are not trivial. And it's for two things. One is that Jesse numbers have become brands now. And that's why you see almost every player who has a brand has his jersey number alongside it that's why you see messi cr7 and lm10 exactly that's why you at times you, you'd hear cr7 even more than you hear ronaldo or cristiano you know that's why when you see the number 23 the number that comes here the person that comes to your mind is michael jordan and that's why a lot of basketballers want to wear the number 23 you know because of the kind of greatness that Pele and Maradona had on the number 10. If you're the star player, you often always give him the number 10. But if you're a star defender for a club, you give him the number four and on and on. So it has become part of players' brands. It has become part of their everyday. And it's kind of a, a symbol of how rated you are at the club. Now, for instance, when Cristiano Ronaldo go to Real Madrid, he wanted the number seven. Mm-hmm. Well, he had to wear number nine. Yeah. There was no way in hell Raul is going to give up the number seven for you. Raul had won the seven from his very first time at the club and he had become a club legend that number. So if you're going to take up that number seven, you have to prove that you're worthy of it. And that was what Ronaldo had to do. And then the following season, Ronaldo left, Raul got, uh, Raul left rather, and then Ronaldo got number seven. So, it's something that has always played out at clubs, and that's why even at Barca right now, there's this huge debate about whether number 10 should be retired, or whether the Jesse should not be won for the next X number of seasons. And I feel like it's because of the kind of trend that has been set down from American sports. In American sports, Jesse numbers are retired. The numbers hang in the rafters and when a player gets into a franchise their dream is to perform so well with that franchise that their jersey number gets retired now hmm. for instance for michael jordan he wore the number 23 at the chicago bulls he was retired lebron has not yet retired but then i can tell you that all his numbers will be retired in uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, for instance, Karim Abdul-Jabbar, who at the time was known as Lewis Alcindor, wore number 33. His number is retired. Giannis Adelokounmpo, he has only retired, but I can tell you for a fact, his number will be retired. Kobe Bryant wore two jersey numbers and the eight. Eight. He wore the eight, eight and then he wore the 24. Both numbers are retired by the Los Angeles Lakers. So, when a player has gotten to a level, especially in American sports, they retire their numbers, they hang it up in the rafters. But because in Europe we are more stringent with our jersey numbers and the rules are more laid down, that's why in La Liga, watchers of La Liga, 
I've noticed that David Galapagos is now going to number four. Yeah. Ronaldo's number seven was given to Mariano, who handed it over to Hazard. You know? And that's why Luka Modric changed from 19 to 10 because another young player was coming in who had to now wear between 1 to 25. Because if you're a first team player, you have to use between 1 to 25. However, if you're registered with the academy, you can use any number of your choice. And that's it makes it difficult to retire players' jerseys. Because if you have retired five jerseys between one and twenty-five, all of a sudden you can't register twenty players. But some of these jersey numbers they come with a lot of expectations. And I think we have decided to put ourselves in this kind of difficult situation. And I just allow people wear their numbers let's know that okay this is cristiano ronaldo he should wear that seven and shouldn't be expecting the same thing from the next person that wears the number seven i think it has put a lot of players in trouble as far as expectation is concerned yes i think that's that was why the idea of retiring jerseys became a thing so that it would not put pressure on the next player who would wear that number and then if you noticed, it became a, a legendary thing in basketball. I mean, before Michael Jordan, almost no one of notes wore 23. And then if you're wearing 23, nobody really cared. But after Michael Jordan, 23 became a thing in the league. And then some franchises even retired that jersey number because of Michael Jordan, even though he never played for them. So you understand that these numbers have this historical feeling that ideally Lionel Messi is Barcelona's greatest ever player. Ideally, if he went basketball, the very moment he left, his justice would be hung, would be hanging in the banners. I mean, Michael Jordan was with the Chicago Bulls from 1984 to 1993, and then he retired for the first time in 1993. And when he retired, after just nine seasons, his justice was hung up in the rafters. He had led them to their first ever championship, their second ever championship, their third ever championship, all in a row. He was by far and away their greatest ever player, and he felt the best way to do it was to retire that number. And now that when he came back, he had to face Wear 45 for the rest of that season before he now took up his 23, the following season. And that's why 23 is now a thing in the league. But then in La Liga, the idea is that if you wear this jersey number belonging to this famous player who has done a lot of good things it should inspire you not weigh heavily on you but then time and again you've seen that it has done the exact opposite i mean even at man united we've seen how the whole jesse seven thing is now kind of like a course how valencia worried i was like ah this is too big for me he dropped it so we go and dropped it so with Di maria who dropped it so we may face the pie who dropped it. I mean, even when Cavani decided to wear the number seven, give a lot of calls that oh, he's already a flop, you know, because of the kind of things we have actually protected to Jason numbers. And I think we can also blame it on people being overly superstitious where they feel like this is cursed. If Cristiano Ronaldo wore the number nine at Chelsea, he would score a lot of goals. So don't make this about the player. Um, don't make this about the chess number, make this about the player. I mean, he got so much on Avaro Morata, he had to change his chess number. Change his chess number. Yeah. He still didn't do a thing. So, would you say 29 is also cost? Oh, hold on, mate. You're actually rubbish. 
So that's the thing. There, there's, there's really no personally. I, I don't really think there should be a lot of talk about whatever jersey number player decides to wear. If anything, it spreads the popularity of that number. But because of the kind of culture of entertainment and sports, we love to deify numbers. We love to deify players, and that's why. If you're a professional player and then you have Jordan on your name, please, if you ever want to make it in basketball, change that name. Because you'll forever be compared to Michael Jordan. That's the way it is. All right, Marshall, let's talk about Barcelona right now. I'm sure by now they must have moved on from the exit of Lionel Messi. And news I'm hearing is that Gerard Piquet has decided to take a substantial pay cuts. The percentage not revealed, but according to the Barca hierarchy, they said it is a substantial pay cut. And right now, they'll be able to register the guys they signed for free. But before we talk about these guys, let's look at Barcelona right now. Looks like they are at their lowest at the moment. But what's the worst case scenario for Barca? The worst case scenario for them, like how bad can it go for them financially and footballing wise well footballing wise they're not out of the woods yet because according to reports i read minutes before coming on the show i read that la liga actually denied that uh, memphis depay and eric garcia have been registered which meant that the people that here at if that actually happened has not yet insufficient enough to register those two players and talking about how bad it can get uh man barcelona really in some deep problems they signed a striker to replace the departed luis suarez departed not in body but barcelona for atletico madrid and they sent sergio aguero on a free the rationale behind that was sergio aguero would play with they are no messy, you know, they've been Argentine teammates and roommates since the boys convince your body to sign with us and it, it nearly worked. But then the pay cuts Messi would have to take so enormous that Messi could literally have to pay to play. You know, it's not like it's a PlayStation house or something. And for for Barca, Aguero was supposed to be okay, the new striker, then partnering Griezmann and Messi. But now Messi is no longer in the picture. Aguero is out for two months with an injury. Memphis Depay has not been registered. For the central defense, they have Gerard Piquet, Eric Garcia, Clement Longley, Samuel Umtiti. Clement Longley has proven to be woefully below par. games, But then most of the time, he doesn't really shine as much as you expect him to. Samuel Umtiti has been bothered by several injuries. And for Eric Garcia, he has not even been registered. And the player who is taking the pay cuts, Eric PK. What's the question about how exactly will they perform if suddenly one of them goes down? Who is to say that definitely they will be registered in time for the La Liga season? In fact, they are, uh, what's it called now? The game against Osiris is still another question for Memphis and Eric Garcia. And at some point, the player themselves will wonder, hold on. What exactly have we gotten ourselves into? We're signing for a club that cannot even register us with the league. How then do we play? How then do we develop game time? How then do we develop this synergy with, with our teammates? You know, and then 
for Barca, there are so many things that have gone wrong that it might need about two or three seasons to get everything right. Usually, if you have Messi, about 80% of the problems are solved because you would score goals, you would assist, you would bring the fans in, everything would be rosy. But now, there is no Messi and there's almost nothing they can get right now. How bad it can get footballing-wise? Well, that would probably mean getting eliminated from the group stages of the Champions League, getting into the Europa League, and then not qualifying for the Champions League for the next season, suffering another year. But, but, but this, 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 as before now, looks like the default section of Barca. I mean, qualifying for the Champions League, so it would definitely be a big blow if they're not playing the year for Champions League or even playing in the Europa League. And I think this is where the ingenuity of Ronald Koeman should come in at the same time in this present situation that they found themselves. His silence is so deafening. I mean, I've not heard anything from Ronald Koeman. Uh, he, has, he has come out to say a few words, you know, like every other player and the club has done. But then I think the, the, the thing for Ronald Koeman now is that he has to change the team almost every other game because right now Aguero is not going to be back for two months then Billy is in or out Memphis the pie is not registered so the attack is Antoine Fatsi uh, probably probably Demir and then probably Antoine Griezmann so that's likely the front three unless Felipe Coutinho will join the attack which in itself is not it's not going to hold for a quarter of the season i mean these are the same players who will have to play in the champions league the la liga Copa de martin brightwhite is also uh, in that squad for for martin he he's of good quality but then is he of barcelona quality and how long will he play for barcelona before the whole lapses in his game starts to be reviewed. And that issue I had with Real Madrid's transfer before the season even began. Like, how exactly are you going to prove that this team is going to compete? I mean, losing Tony Cruz to injury, losing Dante Bios to injury, potentially selling at another card, and you're not signing anybody. I mean, it's not going to work magic. The magic. Even the magicians have some point where they reflect, but then the club is not seeming to reflect. And it's a general trend across the big boys in La Liga, Real Madrid, Barcelona, when Atletico Madrid themselves are trying to retain their title, you know, splurging on Rodrigo de Paul, who has been of very good quality for those who have been watching Udinese in the Serie A. And for, for Barca and, and, and Ronald Koeman, he needs to show that what he did last season where all hope seemed lost and then he, he managed to find a way to vitalize Messi in his streets and a fluke and he needs to show that it's not just Messi and vibes because when you look at that team like I earlier mentioned most of the players they really have a lot of things to prove and they have a lot of people to quote unquote now shut up and if they don't do that I mean, only one man said it's going to be on the chopping block. 
And that's definitely from Akuman. So what's the scenario? Crash out of the Champions League group stages, playing the Europa League, and not qualify for the Champions League next season. Copa de Rey in the mix? Or what do you think? Yeah, Copa de Rey is the core competition. I mean, it's up for grabs for everyone. But now that Carlo Ancelotti is back at Real Madrid, Carlo Ancelotti is a manager who likes his core competitions, but, but not as much as the leagues. And I think for someone like Ancelotti, the focus really has to be on winning the Spanish La Liga, even over the cup. So that might really open up uh, a loophole for Barca to, to get one for themselves. But then the big question is when the end of the games come around, will they really be the ones fighting? Wow, I think that's a million dollar question, if not a billion dollar question. I, and it's just the perfect way to wrap up the episode number two of the scoreboard podcast with Ola and Marshall. For feedback and comments, you can send us an email on podscoreboard at gmail.com. I come again, podscoreboard at gmail.com. Dot com. You can also tweet at us at pod underscore scoreboard. Pod underscore scoreboard. That's the Twitter handle. And uh, for our personal Twitter handle, um, I tweet at Mr. Laulua, M R O L A O L U W A. And Marsha, your Twitter handle? Uh, it's at Capletto at C-A-R-P-L-E-T-T-O. That's about it on this episode of the podcast. Definitely, uh, God willing, you should be expecting us next week. I told you that this would be a weekly affair. So thank you for listening. So we are up on Google Podcasts. We are up on Anchor. You can also listen via Spotify. Thanks, Marshall, uh, for hanging out with me on the podcast for the second episode yeah thank you very much and to other listeners out there we hope that you enjoy this podcast and like uh said if you have any feedbacks any comments you can always reach us at sportscoreboard at gmail.com all right the email again podscoreboard at gmail.com and on twitter is at pod underscore scoreboard so that's about it for this episode thank you so much for listening We'll return again next week for a brand new episode. Do enjoy, share with your friends, share with everybody, and definitely they're going to enjoy it. Thank you so much. Bye bye.